0: So the Torah commands us to eat matzah on the night of the Seder, on the eve of Passover. Now, the biblical command is to have a single Seder on the first night of Passover. In the diaspora, meaning outside the land of Israel, we add a second day of the holiday. It's a two-day yamteh instead of a one-day, and so we do two Seders. So we eat matzah at two Seders. What is matzah? So matzah is made out of plain flour and water. Matzah can be made out of one of five grains, um, wheat, barley, oats, rye, or spelt. Although most matzah, like most bread, is made of wheat. Um, and uh, though they do, you can buy spelt matzah and oat matzah as well, for those that have trouble with wheat matzah. But matzah is made out of plain flour and water. And matah is made very, very quickly. It's made to ensure that the dough does not become chametz. Chametz, we mentioned earlier, means fermented grain. So if the grain ferments, it's chametz. How does the grain ferment? Well, yeasts are these live um, bacteria-like things that um, eat the grain. And as they do, the grain ferments and um, over time it will rise. And so um, if yeasts eat it and it begins to rise, then it is forbidden to eat on on Passover. How long does it take to become chametz? So Talmud tells about 18 minutes. So if it sits for 18 minutes, even without putting yeast in these yeasts in the air um, that will land on it, it will become chametz. So the matzah is made very, very quickly within 18 minutes to make sure that it does not become chametz. So now, uh, entire, over the entire Passover, the entire seven or eight days of Passover in the diaspora, we are required, we are forbidden from eating chametz. So if you want to eat bread, the only bread you can eat is matzah, because you cannot eat chametz. But on the Seder, you're not requ- the rest of Passover, you're not required to eat matzah. If you choose not to eat bread, and today eating carbs is not very fashionable, at least, a lot of people go without carbs in general, that's fine. But on the Seder night, it's actually a mitzvah to eat matzah. On the two nights of the Seder, we are the Torah commands us to eat matzah. And this is what we call matzat mitzvah, matzah for a mitzvah. In fact, the mitzvah to eat matzah at the Seder is the only food that we currently have a mitzvah to eat. There's no other mitzvah that we practice today where we have to eat a specific thing. We have a lot of customs. We eat various things um, uh, off of various festivals, but those are just customary traditions, cultural things. Um, commandments, the Torah commands us to eat something. The only thing that we're commanded to eat is matzah on the seder night. Now, why do we eat matzah on the seder? So there are actually two reasons given in the Torah. Firstly, when Israel was in Egypt, the children of Israel were in Egypt, they were slaves. Before they left Egypt, God commanded Moses to tell the people that on the eve before the Exodus, they are to take a lamb, slaughter the lamb. It's going to be a Passover offering. And then they're to roast the ram, the lamb. And um, then... Uh, they're to eat that, take the blood, they're gonna put it on the their door, the blood on the doorpost, and then they're gonna eat this lamb inside their house together with their families, and everybody who is, um, or multiple families together, will eat it inside the house, and they will eat it together with matzah and maror and bitter herbs. So while in Egypt, our ancestors ate matzah together with the Passover offering that they ate um, on the eve of Passover. That night, God smote the firstborn Egyptians, and the firstborn Israelites were, uh, survived. The next day, they left Egypt. So matzah we already were eating back in Egypt as part of the Seder that we made in Egypt. Matzah, the Torah tells us, is lechem oni. It's the poor man's bread. Presumably, what's poor man's bread? It reminds us of our poverty as slaves in Egypt. That's what we ate, um, or we had. We didn't have proper bread, so the matzah reminds us of that. That perhaps was what we ate while we were slaves in Egypt. And so that would be our. Um, so that so the matzah then is reminding us of our slavery. We were slaves in Egypt, and therefore we ate the matzah right before the Exodus together with our Passover offering to remind us of, so we don't forget about the slavery, along with the bitter herbs that they ate as well. That's one reason for eating matzah. It's the poor man's bread reminds us of our slavery. There's another reason to eat matzah. The Torah tells us that when the firstborn Egyptians were killed or died in the middle of the night, Pharaoh came running to Moses. And said, Moses, get up and leave. Moses says, we cannot. God told, instructed us, we're not allowed to leave our homes until the morning. And everyone's supposed to stay in their house until daylight. So we cannot leave yet. The next morning they got up and um, they were getting ready to leave. However, they were very, very busy that morning. Because Moses had told them that before you leave Egypt, you have to go to the Egyptians and you have to ask them for all their gold and silver and valuable things. They should give them to you. Ask them to give them to you. And they will. And the the Egyptians did. Reparations, the Talmud tells us, for hundreds of years of slavery. So um, they were busy collecting the gold and silver and didn't really have time to prepare when they were ready to leave, they left in the middle of the day. When they were ready to leave, they didn't have time to allow their dough. They baked bread. They were getting making bread. They didn't have time to allow their dough to rise. So they baked it quickly, um, not allowing it to rise, and they made matzah on their way out. And so in the Haggadah, we actually say that we eat matzah to commemorate how they were rushed out of Egypt, not having enough time for their dough to rise. So essentially matzah represents two things. The matzah that they ate um, before the Exodus, while in Egypt, the poor man's bread, we ate before the Exodus while in Egypt. And we ate as part of our Seder that we had in Egypt before the Exodus. And then we also ate and baked matzah unintentionally or because we were in a rush the next morning and so we had matzah twice. And for both those reasons, we eat matzah today at the Seder. But matzah is more than that. Matzah has very, very great power and very great spiritual power. Any questions before we continue? Go ahead, Have I? Um... Does not the God's commandment to eat lamb continue to be our commandment that we should eat lamb on the, on the, the uh, Seder plate? God's commandment to eat lamb is the commandment to eat a Passover sacrifice. That when they were in Egypt, it was actually not offered as a sacrifice at all. They simply slaughtered and roasted it. After that, God said, every year you're supposed to bring the lamb to the temple, where it will be slaughtered in the temple. It's blood sprinkled on the altar, it's fats burned on the altar, and the rest of the lamb taken home when you're in Jerusalem and eaten there. Other than that, if there's no, without a temple, for those that were not in Jerusalem, they did not eat lamb at their Seder because they didn't have the sacrifice. Today, we are missing the most important ingredient at the Seder, the Passover lamb because we don't, we're not in Jerusalem and even in Jerusalem, they don't have a temple standing. In fact, throughout our Seder, we regularly mention that the most important part of the Seder is missing. So we're not able to have it. We have our tradition today is to have a roasted bone on the Seder plate, um, either a lamb's bone or some have a chicken bone um, on the Seder plate, the Zroa, and that commemorates the sacrifice, but we don't eat it because we're not allowed to eat sacrifice today. Um, outside of the temple. Um, So we are, they they were commanded to have it, but we don't have it today. So what about the morar? Excellent question. So the God did command that along with the lamb, they also eat matzah and they also eat mara, they also eat bitter herbs. Um, That's the commandment. The commandment is that every year at your Seder, eat matzah along with the lamb, along with mara, along with bitter herbs. Now, our sages point out that that command is to eat the three together: Passover lamb, matzah, and mar, Matzah and bitter herbs. Eat them all together. That's okay. God's. That that's the command. So if you're missing one ingredient, you don't you don't you can't eat them because you're you don't you can't eat them together. Now the Torah tells us separately to eat matzah on Passover as a separate command, which means that even if we don't have the lamb, we still eat matzah. But without the lamb, there's no mitzvah to eat marr. Now, our sages said that even those who are eating, celebrating Passover outside of Jerusalem, or when there's no temple, should eat marah anyway to commemorate the Murrah that we ate along with the Passover lamb. So we eat marah today. It's a rabbinic command, not the biblical command. The Passover, though, is the biblical, the matzah sari is the biblical command. Very good point, Don. Thank you. So, so Matzah reminds us um, how our ancestors um, left Egypt on God's request and followed God really blindly through the desert. Um, Matzah reminds us how um, God followed, how we followed God blindly through the desert And um, we really didn't know. We were going into a desert. We had no food, no water. All we had was the matzah that we had baked quickly. And so we were relying. We didn't know how we'd survive. We were relying totally on God for everything. And so in a sense, the matzah reminds us um, about our exodus. And it reminds us how God really is the one that controls our destiny. When we left Egypt, we had no idea where we were going, what we were going to do, how we were going to survive. We just went, <laughs> excuse me, Moses left, uh, said, let's go. We're leaving. We all just followed him out. We had no idea we were, where we were going. We had no idea what we were doing. And so um, we really learned from that how ultimately God took care of us. So today, we often think we do know what we're doing. We think we know how we're going to take care of ourselves. We think we have it figured out. We know how we're going to take care of ourselves financially, health-wise. Everything that we need, we think we have it figured out. We even have a whole industry of people helping us secure our future, take care of ourselves. But the matzah reminds us that ultimately, it's not us that controls our destiny. It's God that controls what happens to us. Yes, we can take steps, and God wants us to take steps to take care of ourselves as best as we can. But ultimately, we just take small steps. Ultimately, God is the one who controls what happens to us. Perhaps we've all discovered that over the last year, uh, more than any other time in our lives. Right? We all had so many plans, and then... God plans, um, and God's plans are, you know, he he ultimately decides what happens to us. Um, Our actions really are of limited impact. God is the one who truly controls our destiny. And so the matzah really reminds us of that, how they went out to the desert. They didn't even have, all they had was matzah. It reminds us how we relied on God. And today still, although God does expect us to do our part and take steps that we need to take, um, do our best, but we have to remember that as much as we do, we still don't really have control. God is the one that controls our destiny. and This is really expressed in, symbolized in the makeup of the matzah itself. Matzah itself is just plain bread and water. It's the most basic food. It's food, as we said, Lechem Oni, the food of poverty. So on a basic level, we said food of poverty reminds us of slavery. But on a deeper level, it reminds us that everything that we think we have, we don't really have. We don't really own whatever we own. I may have told this before in this class, but there was a great Jewish financier before there were the Rothschilds. There was Samson Wertheimer. Samson Wertheimer, Shimshon Wertheimer, was the financier of the Austrian Empire. In the 18th century, 100 years before the Rothschilds. And he was the wealthiest man in Europe in his day. He had a banking empire that stretched across all of Europe. And he was also the treasurer of the Rus- Austrian Empire. One time, the Austrian emperor asked him, asked Shimshon Wertheimer. Rabbi Wertheimer, too. He was also the the chief rabbi of Hungary um, as well. He was a great Torah scholar, too. One time, the Austrian emperor asked him to give him a total of his net worth. And so he gave the total of his net worth, but the amount he gave was less than the emperor knew he was actually worth. It was significantly less. The empire the emperor had him thrown into prison and confiscated everything that he owned. They could do that, right? The European monarchs back then. And so uh, the emperor had, and so then he asked for an audience with the emperor. The emperor he said, Let me explain myself. You asked me what I own. What I gave you was the amount I gave to charity, because that I truly own. Everything else that I own is not really mine, because you see, in a second you took it away. It doesn't really belong to me. So though he was the wealthiest man in Europe, he recognized that everything he had was not truly his. And that's really what matzah signifies. Whatever we have, we think we have so much, we're not secure. Nothing truly belongs to us. It all belongs to God. Everything is God's. Nothing is outside of God. Everything truly is his. And that's really what we need to recognize, that it all belongs to God. There's nothing outside. um, There's nothing outside of, um, we're all totally dependent on him. And the matzah, being the poor man's bread, being the simple bread, represents that. It reminds us, the matzah reminds us, Bart, give me a moment. uh, The matzah reminds us And that rather than being focused on ourselves, what we have is not really ours, it's God's. Don't focus on what you have, focus on God. Don't focus on your assets, on your career, on your fame. Focus on what you can do to make an impact, because that's what really counts. And therefore, in a sense, another part of the matzah is the matzah is flat. Bread rises. It represents a person's arrogance, a person's self-centeredness. Well, matza represents a person who removes themselves, who focuses on God, who focuses on that which is greater than themselves. So that's where the matzah reminds us, the humility, the recognizing that whatever we have is not truly ours. What is truly ours is what we do or what God gives us. And recognizing that we're totally dependent on God, we're really flat. The only thing that rises us up is God. Bart? Not everything is controlled by God. Reminds me of um, the Yiddish quote, man plans, God laughs. Of course, you've heard that before. You're absolutely right, Bart, very (laughs) good. it's ultimately up to God and Matzah helps us recognize that that we're totally dependent on God. It's all up to him. Thank you, Bart. Any other questions? Lewis? You have to unmute yourself. We don't hear you. Sorry. You mentioned about the matzah rising because of the yeast. Did, Did you say the yeast is in the air? There's yeast in the air, yeah. So So, if you leave bread for, if you leave dough for whatever amount of time, for more than 18 minutes, it will begin to ferment because the yeast in the air will land on it. So just naturally yeast is everywhere? I'm not a biochemist, but apparently. Okay. So the Zohar tells us that matzah is the food of faith. Mikhla dim in Aramaic. Matzah reminds us, it gives us faith. It reminds us that we need to be totally dependent on God. Or well, we are totally dependent on God. We need to recognize that. So matzah allows us in that sense to become aware of God in our lives. Nachsidic teachings teach us that there's really two parts to this, two parts. This awareness of being becoming aware of God. Firstly, what do we mean to be aware of God? So the example given by the altar Reb by the first Chabad Rebbe is it's like an infant. Israel left Egypt. They were just in their infancy as a people. They were just starting as a people. The first thing they started out with was matzah. Matza helped them recognize in their infancy as a people, recognize that, recognize God in their lives. Recognize that God is all powerful and is in control of everything. It was their first recognition. The example of this um, is like a child. You have an infant. And for the first couple months, the infant is unaware of who their parents are. Anyone who holds them, they don't. to them, it's all the same. They don't recognize one person from the next. And then they get a little bit older. I don't know how old it is, maybe six months or, or so. And suddenly they begin to recognize their parents. And now when their mother or their father comes over, they suddenly, they have this recognition. You see it on their face. They're not usually talking yet, but they have this, they recognize their parents. They know who their parents are. Now they don't understand what it means. They don't understand what it means, what a mother or father means, right? They're infants. They don't really understand it yet, but they recognize, they know that these are the people who they're dependent on. These are the people that they need. Anyone other than their parents come by, they begin to scream when you give the when the child when you give the child to a stranger, um, the baby starts crying. They only want their parents. They see their parents, they get excited. They know that's whom they're dependent on. And so that's what matzah does for us. It doesn't necessarily give us a deep intellectual understanding of God. It doesn't necessarily um, you know, give us a deep relationship with God. It gives us that baby recognition. When the child sees their parents, they don't understand that, that it's their parents, but they know these are the people I need. These are the people I'm dependent on for everything I get. And so we have that same recognition of God when we eat matzah. It reminds us that, and it teaches us, and it has spiritual powers to help us spiritually impact us, to appreciate that we are totally dependent on God. God is the one who depends on and allows us to recognize God. When things happen in our lives, we don't say, oh, he did that, or this caused it, or that caused it, or I caused it. We say God caused it. It's all coming from God. When we need something, we don't say, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to figure it out. We say, God will take care of it. God will figure it out. Now, we have to do our part. But God will take care of it. We recognize that we are totally dependent on God. Like that infant that recognizes these people, not knowing whom they are, they don't understand what parents are, but these are the people I need. These are the ones I'm dependent on. And that recognition is what we get when we eat lots But when we say that we recognize God, there's two ways, or two ways that we can recognize God. It's explained that on the one hand, God controls all the creation. God created our world. And we believe that God controls everything that happens in our world. Nothing happens without him. And so everything that happens is God's doing. He's aware of every single of us and every experience that we have, everything happening to us, and of every one of the other 8 billion people on earth. He's aware of each and every single one. And he's aware of what's happening to each and every single one. And so God is aware of everyone, invested in everything, and knows and controlling everything that happens. God is managing our destiny. And so that's one thing that we recognize, how God controls us. But then there's a deeper recognition. And that is that God is infinite. We humans, really all of creation is finite. The gulf between the finite and the infinite is infinite. Or in other words, before the infinite, the finite is infinitesimally small. We are tiny. All those things that we think really matter the bigger scheme of things they don't. We're just a tiny speck. If you think even within our own universe, we are just one of each one of us are one of 8 billion people on the planet. The planet being just one planet that circles a small star in the corner of a small galaxy, The bigger scheme of things, our planet is tiny. It's so meaningless. So small. But that's all within our own universe. In comparison with the almighty infinite creator, we're nothing. Nothing matters. Nothing exists. Nothing is of any value before God. God is infinite. God is beyond us, beyond everything. And so when we recognize God, we not only recognize that God is in control of everything. But God stands above and beyond everything. And before God, nothing truly matters. He chose for it to matter. He takes interest in us because he chose to do so, but really nothing truly matters before him. So when we recognize that, when we recognize that nothing truly matters before the creator, it gives us a different sense of priorities. Things that we think are so important in life, they're not really all that important. The bigger scheme of things, only God is important. So what God expects of us and wants of us, well, God wants it. It might be small to him, but that's what he wants. But the other stuff that we think matters so much is such a big deal, they're really not a big deal. They really don't matter. It helps us recognize the priorities in life. A lot of the things that we're thinking of are cars that we're driving, the watch that we're wearing, the phone that we have in our pockets, um, the, uh, the house that we have, all those things our careers, our fame, our, um, those, they, they don't truly matter in the bigger scheme of things. What truly matters is what God wants of us because we are compared to God so infinitesimally small. It is he that makes us matter. It is he that takes interest in us. And the things that he wants of us is what is truly important in our lives. So in a sense, we have these two different recognitions of God. We have recognizing how God is in control of everything. And everything that happens is managed by the creator. And so therefore, don't think that we are in control, but recognize that God is in control. And then there is a, what we could call a deeper sense of recognition of God of that everything that we think is a priority in life is not. The only things that truly matter in life are the things that God says matters. Otherwise, it's infinitesimally small. It doesn't really matter. And so those two perspectives are really the two reasons why we eat matzah. The first reason we eat matzah is what we call to remind us of how we were, how we lived in Egypt how we were poor in Egypt and God took us out of Egypt, that God is truly in control, that God manages everything. That was the first reason we eat matzah, to remind us how God is truly in control and controls everything. The second reason to eat matzah, though, is to remind us that God stands much greater than us, how what we think is important in life is truly not important. It's time to recalibrate our lives and think about what really matters. And what truly does matter is that which matters before God. So these are the two really powers of matzah. Remembering both destiny, God is in control of our destiny. It is God in control, not us. We are totally in his hands. And secondly, teaching us that what all those things that we think are important are not truly important. What's really important is what God says is important. Those two matters of faith, that God is in control and that God tells us what matters, those are both the power of matzah. Matzah teaches us both those things and we believe that in a spiritual sense, when we eat matzah, matzah contains within a great spiritual powers and those great spiritual powers then help us Recognize, help our soul recognize God's power over our destiny and God's sense of priorities. Bart, about um, uh, God expects us to do our part. So, how do we determine what is our part? How much do we have to do, uh, do versus God. And God? If we do comment. our best, we do our best, but. It's important, yeah, we do our best and we should try to figure out ways to succeed. But we have to remember that the success ultimately comes from God. So if we do something God doesn't want trying to succeed, break God's rules, for example, while trying to succeed, we're not going to succeed because it ultimately comes from God, right? Or if we spend too much time on focused on our success, not focused on other things that are important, then it's not going to help. In other words, spending another hour at the office is not going to make you wealthier you're going to get as much as God's going to want to give you. You do what you can, you do your part, but spending an hour in the office instead of doing other things that you're supposed to be doing is not going to make you more successful. So matzah is not only, not only helps spiritually, but matzah also helps physically. It helps not only our spiritual faith, but the Zohar also says that matzah is mikhla asvata, food of healing. Matzah is food of healing. We only get sick or suffer, the Zohar tells us, when we're self-centered, when we're focused on ourselves. We're thinking about ourselves too much, worrying about ourselves, that's why we get sick. When we live a God-centered life, we don't get sick. So matzah, which centers our life around God, helps us forget about ourselves, focus on why we're here, helps our physical challenges fall away. And we're told further, matzah itself has great healing powers on its own, and eating matzah brings us healing. And often, um, people who are sick would eat matzah, being careful to eat matzah, especially at the the matzah of the mitzvah on the Passover Seder brings us great healing from any illness we may have. Does it heal everything? Clearly not, many people are still sick after Passover, but we do believe that it has a special healing power, can bring great healing. So what is the power of matzah? The power of matzah is, to remind us of, it's a, the food of faith. It reminds us of two very important things. It reminds us of how God controls our destiny, how we're totally dependent of God, on God, and it reminds us on about what's important in life. What's truly important is what God wants of us, not the other things that we think are important. And it gives us that faith, that knowledge and recognition of God, like we said, like a child that recognizes their parents, the infant that recognizes their parents and recognizes that they are dependent on these people. We are dependent on God in the same way. Matzah gives us that recognition. Matzah not only has the power to give us that recognition of God, it is food of healing that brings us great healing and helps us overcome our physical challenges. What kind of matzah works? So it's the matzah we eat on the eve of, on the night of Passover. The Torah tells us, you should guard the matzah. Our sages say that means that the matzah, from the moment that the wheat is harvested, the matzah should be supervised the entire time. The wheat harvest, grinding the kernels into, um, into flour, putting the flour into the matzah, everything should be supervised and watched to make sure that it does not ferment at any time. In fact, kernels that get wet, kernels of wheat, because they have the same... Properties, flour, kernels also ferment. So you have to be careful that the kernels don't ferment either. So matzah that was guarded from the moment it was harvested is called shimura matzah. On the eve of Passover at the Seder, we should only eat shimura matzah, matzah that was guarded the whole time. So a lot of the matzah sold in the store is not shimura matzah, just made of regular flour. The matzah was not guarded um, from the moment it was harvested. At the Seder, we should only eat Shimura matzah. Secondly, the matzah should be made with human labor for the sake of a mitzvah. Today, everything is automated. Everything is made in massive factories. The matzah, we shouldn't eat matzah made in a factory. We should eat matzah made in or through an automated system. We should eat matzah that was made by people for the sake of the mitzvah of eating matzah. And so therefore, we should ideally make, eat the hand made matzah what's called handmade shmura matzah two things handmade and shmura that it was guarded from um uh, that and shmura that it was guarded from when it was um harvested so those are the two things that we have to have in our matzah we have handmade shmura matzah that we've been giving out to the entire community um so the power of the matzah is in the shmura matzah that we eat on the night of the seder not in the regular matzah, but in the shmura matzah, in the handmade shmura matzah we eat on the night of the Seder. Um, Therefore, everybody should have shmura matzah at their Seder. We've been giving out these small boxes with two matzahs to everybody in the community. If you did not get yet, please let me know. We tried to give it out to everyone, but if for some reason you didn't get it, please let me know. I'll make sure you get it. we're still in the process of giving it out. So some may still be getting it this week. But let me know if you didn't get it. Yeah, I'll make sure you get it. And um, at our Seder here, we're going to have Shmura Matzah. And I encourage you, um, if you want enough for everyone at your Seder, um, I encourage you to, uh, we, we sell Shmura Matzah at the store, at the Torah Center. Um, I think you could buy them today in Costco and in Ralph's. Um, not here in the South Bay, but up on the West Side, they sell them. And on Costco in um, Venice, they, se- and they sell it. Um, you could buy Shmura Matzah. Uh, But I encourage you to get Shmura Matzah to make sure that you get the power of the Passover Seder. You get the power of the Matzah um, that we explain, the power of the faith in God and the power of the healing that the Matzah gives you.